the Bronx Bomber Palmer. <laughs> On that today, is right. as Pedro Fernandez calls you, boxing's PhD. You know, and we'll unpack that in a moment. How's uh, everything over there in the Bronx today? Uh, we got a lot of rain um, the last couple of days uh, because of uh, this tropical storm, but it's clearing up. Uh, it's right now just a light drizzle. Uh, I'm actually in Queens right now, and uh, the, the skies are parting. You know, so thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, you're my boy, and we've known each other through the internet for a couple of years, but uh, we've never met in person. And, and the next time I'm in Vegas, I, it's going to be on my uh, to-do list. Oh, it'll be a great time, and I'll show you a good time. Uh, you know, we'll go, we'll go out and find Leslie Chow together and have a good <laughs> good ex experience, man. All right, so you're from the Bronx, but you're a Red Sox fan, correct? Yes, sir, die hard. I've uh, been a Red Sox fan my whole life. Uh, the genesis of that is my dad. You know, I, I basically rooted for every team that he rooted for. And where does that come from? When he, uh, he's, my family's from the Dominican Republic. So his team over there uh, wore a red uniform. So when he came here in 1963, he just gravitated to the Red Sox because of the uniform. And lo and behold, you know, 2021, you know, we're both Red Sox fans still. How much heat did you get growing up from the Bronx? And then, you know, people realize that you, you are the enemy <laughs> that you're a Red Sox fan. One of the biggest sports rivalries of all time is the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, how, how'd that work out for you? Growing up was rough, especially um, because uh, the Red Sox, they were always, well, actually in the 80s when I kind of started getting into sports, the Red Sox had competitive teams. And then in New York, the Mets were the toast of the town when I was, you know, in grammar school. So in 86, they owned the city. And when they played the Yankees, I mean, when they played the Red Sox in the World Series, I was literally the, I was the, the lone wolf in the classroom rooting for the Red Sox. And when they lost in devastating fashion, I got a lot of, I got a lot of ribbing and, um, you know, but, in 2004, I finally got some uh, revenge. You know, so it's like, I got beat up a lot. is Fever Pitch like one of your favorite movies of all time? Oh, it's a oh, it's a great movie. I, it's I, amazing. I, it's a cute, it's a cute movie. It's, you know, and then the the fact that they had to actually go back and edit, you know, to add in the, you know, uh, to add in, you know, the the historic run in the playoffs. That was pretty cool. The way they uh, they uh, added that in to the end of the movie. Yeah, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. That kind of sucked for me because that was like, you know, we were doing so good. We were kicking so much ass. And then the next thing you know, the Red Sox win a game. They won another game. They won another game. They won four in a row. Never happened in the history of the sport at that time where a team that had a deficit of being down three games to none comes back to win the series. That, that, was, that was tough. For, for a Yankee fan. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, not, not to get all, you know, too, I don't know, looking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not to look too deep into things, but if it had to happen, like as far as breaking the curse, it had to happen in this over-the-top way. I mean, especially the year before Aaron Boone ripping their hearts out, 
you know, with that home run and, and should should they have left Pedro into the game that long, you know, to, to be on the brink of like really testing your fandom. I remember the, that, that one game that the Yankees won, I think it was like 22 to something. And they were, it was just, it was game, uh, was it must've been game five. Was it? It was no, a I'm beat sorry, down. Three. Yeah, it was getting, three, three, three. Yeah. it was an absolute beat down. <laughs> in, in Fenway. And I remember just watching the TV and just asking myself, like, why the hell do I do this to myself? Like, you know, it's like, like, like I felt like a masochist, you know? And, you know, then the next day it was just, all right, at least we're not going to get embarrassed. Then the second game, oh, okay, we're going back to New York. Hmm, things got interesting. And you could really see the momentum uh, go, go our way and then Schilling, you know, really pitched one for the books. You guys had an amazing team at that point in time. And uh, you mentioned Pedro. Speaking of Pedro's, we're very mm-hmm. great friends and v- very familiar with Pedro Fernandez, Ring Talk. Uh, yeah. The longest running radio show in the history of boxing. Uh, always has tremendous guests. Uh, one of a kind personality. Uh, a great dude. Also a former amateur fighter. Golden Glove winner. Um, been around the block and then some. Um how did you get your start into broadcasting journalism and your love affair for boxing? So that's like a bunch of questions at once, but uh, I think they all kind of tie together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to try not to bore you, you know, but the first, why am I a boxing fan? Once again, I got to go back to my dad. Um, he, he's my best friend. And I was, there was two constants in our, in our living room, you know, on a Saturday, uh, boxing on TV, some sort of alcoholic beverage and me next to him, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you know, and we always had great neighbors. So, you know, my dad had, had a couple of buddies and, and I was just like a fly in the wall. And the first big fight that I remember uh, going back to like watching with him was Roberta Duran and Davey Moore. And that one got me hooked. You know, I, I remember I, we went to my godparents' house in the Bronx and we watched it uh, and it was just an amazing night because Duran was an underdog and he pulled out a big upset against a young, strong guy, ironically from the Bronx, Davey Moore, rest in peace, died really young. And that just, you know, that that's like, when I go back and think about that, you know, that um, I remember watching by myself on NBC on a Saturday, Bobby Chacon, and, and uh, Boza Edwards, and that was a bloodbath, you know, so like little fights like that from back in the, in the mid eighties, you know, I was hooked. Uh, that's as far as being a fan. Um, as far as being a part of the media, I was a, a broadcast journalism major in school. I went to a small school called Mercy College in Westchester County. And uh, at the, my first job out of school, I was working for a local paper called the Bronx Times uh, Reporter. And at the Bronx Times, I worked with a guy named David Green. David Green is the son of Ben Green. Ben Green was a well-known writer and had the longest-running boxing column. And it ran out of a uh, horse racing, a horse racing, uh, I guess, handicap newspaper. I guess you would call it, called um, the boxing, called the Sports Eye. That's what it was. And his column was called the Fistic Scene. So Dave after his father passed away, took it over. And then, you know, one day he was telling me he was going to go 
cover a fight. He was a reporter as well. And uh, I tagged along. And that, that fight actually was at the Intrepid, the USS Intrepid, which is a museum in New York. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Absolutely. We're on, the, on the West Side Highway. And ESPN started getting back into boxing. And they had a summer series. And it was a very, uh, it was an unfortunate night because that was a night that uh, light heavyweight Khaled Jones fought uh, B. Scotland. And, and B. Scotland, unfortunately, passed away uh, as a result of a, of a loss. Uh, he died in the hospital for a few, a few days after. And that was the very first fight I ever covered at ringside. And um, it was probably, I think it was the second time I've ever been to a fight. The first was in the Yonkers Casino. I went as a fan. I remember I, I, I was in a little league. I'm sorry, not a little. It was a senior baseball league. And my team got tickets and Lou DelVal fought in the main event. It was a star boxing. That was the very first time I was ringside. But part of the media was that night at the Intrepid. It's uh, incredible when you cover a fight. Uh, unfortunately, you saw the most devastating circumstance that can happen in boxing when, you know, yeah. unfortunately someone passes as the result of, you know, how dangerous this sport really is. Um, it can be beautiful. Um, it, it, it's, it's a very hard, hard, tough sport, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, they call it the loneliest place on earth when you're in the ring. Uh, we saw Manny Pacquiao uh, over the past weekend get really beat up. Uh, can I get some of your thoughts on that? What, what did you think about that performance from Ugas? And what did you think about that performance from Manny Pacquiao? Well, you know, when I'm watching the fights, I'm normally, in, I'm in a chat with some friends, uh, a, ch a chat thread. So everyone's chiming in. And from the first round, I, I was, I sensed, I said, I remember writing interesting first round and I could tell Manny was in for a long night. Um, just from Ugas's body language, I, me going in, I had no I, I had no doubt in my mind that that Ugas was just going to be, in you know, a stepping stone to the inevitable fight against uh, Errol Spence whenever that would be or another big Manny payday. I had I gave Ugas no shot. Why? Because when you're handicapping a fight, you go by a guy's uh, resume and what he's done. And every time Ugas has had like a big time fight, he hasn't stepped up. You know, the Sean Porter fight. That was a fight that he could have won. But he didn't, he didn't step on the gas. Sean Porter had nothing that night. And so I'm thinking we're going to get the same Ugas, you know, especially a guy that, you know, he's, they say he's 35, but, you know, those Cuban birth certificates may not be that accurate sometimes. And plus you had the rumors about him having a torn bicep going in. Um, so, I, you know, I was like, okay, I, I can't see Pacquiao losing to a, a, an average fighter, you know, and, by the third, fourth round, you started to see this is not Manny's night. And, you know, props to Ugas. He had a game plan. He stuck with it. And he lit Manny up. He really did. And um, towards the end, he finished strong, which was the key. You know, he, he, he clearly won 10, 11, and 12. And he might have retired a legend. This is why... Pedro Fernandez branded you as boxing's PhD. I'm going to go back to education in a moment, but you just educated a lot of listeners right now. I felt the same way. First round was interesting. And then you start to see Manny getting hit more and that you've ever seen him get hit in his entire life. I mean, 
Like, I think this is the worst loss of his career. If you look at and compare it to other ones, like, yes, the Marquez thing was really bad. That was devastating. But that was a punch. Now, granted, he did go down, man, he did, earlier in that fight. And that that was, you know, a barn burner. It could have gone either which way. That was just a power slugfest. You know, um, the Mayweather fight, yes, he got totally, you know, I, I outboxed. But this one with Ugas, like you said, game plan was the key. The distance and range in which he fought at was perfect. And Manny couldn't hit him. Manny got hit more than he's ever gotten hit in his entire life that I have ever seen in a 12-round fight and land no, almost nothing, you know. And then when he did land on Ugas, Ugas took it like a man. He took it like a champ. And then another thing that I noticed, too, was, you know, the game plan like I had spoken about but Manny was like looking very labored with his breathing, like, and he couldn't make an adjustment. They didn't adapt. Like, there was no plan B. Uga stuck with his whole game plan the entire time, and you know, all the credit to him. I said the same thing, and I went on record on many podcasts, my own personals or uh, the ones I do for interviews for other people, and. I said, in Italian, there's a word called ugats, which means nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ugats. You got ugats over here. So I was like, you got ugats. I had to eat so much crow on Saturday night, yeah. Sunday morning. I'm getting it still to this day on Monday morning, Monday afternoon here in Vegas right now. And so people are like, yeah, he, he certainly – he wasn't Ugats. He was Ugas, and he kicked your boy's ass. I'm like, yeah, he did. And I had it eight rounds to four. Eight rounds to four easily. It could even go nine to three if you want to, you know. But going back to education, um, you're a teacher, correct? I was. I, 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 I was a, uh, a teacher at a, at, a, at a Catholic school called Santa Maria. And I had a pretty – I had a cool gig. Um, I was – there as I was a gym teacher, but I was also like a permanent substitute teacher. So whenever a teacher wasn't in, I'd sub in. So I was doing anywhere from pre-K to eighth grade. Um, so I, I was there for about four years. It was a great, great time. I probably would still be there, but unfortunately Catholic schools do not pay uh, as well as they should. And um, I had to move on. Um, and I'm actually working in social work um i've been working with homeless families for about eight years now so that's what i do that, that's, that's excellent five. man and it, it's more it's so necessary and more needed now more than ever you know for that kind of work and, and i know you got a great heart and uh you know i love the fact that you were talking before about you know uh, your relationship with your father i had the similar relationship he got me into boxing the same way that your father got you into boxing, baseball. And it's just so great when you have great mentors around you. Um, also, another thing I know you like to do is read. I'm a big reader. Um, are you reading anything recently? You know, I've actually, I, I was a really, I was a much better reader before I started driving. Like when I used to have to take, because <laughs> I, I used to commute to school. So I used to take um, the Metro North. So that was like an hour plus ride. And that's where I would get my reading in. Um, I actually have a, a book that I, I love. I love sports and I like coaches. I've always been a fan of coaches and I'm actually reading. Uh, it's been out for a couple of years, uh, a Bill Parcells autobiography. 
and um, it's pretty interesting. Um, I, I'm a Raiders fan, but I've always respected Bill Parcells. You know, I, I, I just love his swag, his arrogance, and plus the fact the guy was, like, he, he he's, he was a winner, you know, in, in, yes. in every aspect. I mean, I mean, he, he, he took the Jets to, you know, and made them relevant. That's what you got to say. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. And he's a quote machine, too. He's, the media loved him, you know, and uh, he's like one of those coaches of, of my childhood growing up. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Raiders. I did a commercial out here for uh, the Raiders um, as an extra. I was just kind of like in the background and they, they might actually use some of the footage, but whatever. I was I had the opportunity to go to Allegiant Stadium, which, oh, my goodness, what a powerhouse of a stadium, bro. Like this thing is like unbelievable. And they had the uh, SummerSlam event. I, you know, I'm into WWE. I'm into like all combats. I'm into all sports, but um, Allegiant Stadium, man, like it's one of the nicest stadiums I've ever seen in my entire life. It's absolutely remarkable. Uh, are you still a Raiders fan, even though they moved to Vegas? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. I, absolutely. I, I, oh, yeah. No, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm ride or die with all my pro teams. You know, I've been all my teams that I root for. I'm a not to bore anybody, but Red Sox, Celtics, Raiders, and and I like the Bruins in hockey. I've rooted for them all throughout the '80s, and I'm still with them. You know, I I root for the for the for the logo on the shirt, on the front of the shirt, not not the back. You know, that's what's up, man. Like what happened is like I was never really into hockey. I always appreciate everything that everyone does and then they started like rolling out sports out here in vegas you know and then we got the golden knights who happened to be really good they just kind of yes. they get they get very close but hockey's amazing i can't wait to go see a game out here and uh, t-mobile arena is fantastic you They've know i've done a really good job the nhl and getting number one they got they got them competitive early you know because i mean if, i mean vegas there's just so much competition for people's attention you know you can't have a crappy franchise and you know they'll, they'll get lost in the shuffle so I, you know that i remember was it was two years ago michael buffer did the intro to the stanley cup that was amazing you know so i i think they've got a great thing going over yeah. there with the night oh i do i, mean, I totally agree it, the it's uniforms are bad oh dude absolutely they, they, they look like warriors, <laughs> you know, yeah. like they come out and yeah. they do a spectacular job. I was friend. I'm still friends with the uh, former entertainment coordinator for the Golden Knights. Now he's working for Seattle Kraken, uh, Johnny Greco, and he's just awesome. And he's part of the reason of their success. He kickstarted the whole thing. Um, Homeboy hooked me up with WWE tickets. We had front row at T-Mobile. And uh, he's going to come through wow. and get, oh, man, we had wrestlers thrown on us. Like, it was chaos, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was teaching his daughter how to play music as a music instructor. And, you know, I mentioned I like WWE. Homie comes through. He gives me front row tickets for me, my wife, uh, my wife's best friend. And we're all hanging out. And it's just so good. The kid's there. She's loving life. She's a big Roman's Reigns fan. Uh, the kid loves wrestling. She's 12. And uh, she's a badass, you know. So we go there, and, I, and I'm like, row A, seat one, two, three, four. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, bro. Like, And, like, 
like it, it was a SmackDown event for Fox. It was the second one they rolled out. And, uh, you know, he, he, he did such a great job. He actually worked for WWE and then transitioned to the Golden Knights and now is working for Seattle Kraken after getting his start, you know, being the uh, entertainment director for the Seattle Mariners and a nicer guy, I swear, you'll never meet. So humble, so down to earth, man. And just as you are. So let's speak about being on earth. You are in the greatest area for food ever. <laughs> The one thing that sucks about Las Vegas, the food sucks out here. Sucks. Really? No good. I mean, it's like as far as like just regular stuff that you used to, like pizza and like regular, you know, nothing? Nah. Really? I mean, I got like two restaurants I go mm-hmm. to. I think a lot has to do with the fact that we're in the desert and we don't get things fresh. You know, like mm-hmm. it's all like, you know, driven in and, and whatnot. I mean... There, there's some places that are really good, but the thing about like where we're from on the East Coast is we have the you know cuisines that um, are very like you know you could get Jamaican food, you could get Portuguese food, you get Italian right. food. There, there's so many like it's, it's so many different cultures with the cuisine mm-hmm. out here. It's just like dry as a bone, bro. Like it's just like here, here here's some steak. Okay, great. Like, I love, I dude, I miss Mexico, like, real, like, Mexico. I mean, food, like, it's so good. Like, back home, like, out here, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, thumbs down, man. But what's your favorite food to eat out there? Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say outside of, um, like, my own ethnic food of, you know, you know, the traditional rice and beans and, and and, and, and chicken and beef. I love Mexican food. I really do. And um, and I got to be careful because that that will definitely put y- your waistline to the test. Um, I, I like. I, I mean, I also like sushi. Yes. Um, you know, Jamaican food is great too. Um, oh, I love yeah. oxtail. I love oxtail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, pretty much. I, I I don't have a like a like if I had like a last meal request. You know, if I. Was, if, if I was if I was uh, on death row or something, I you know um, I, I I like to eat anything you know, but it the older I've, I've gotten, I um I notice it's getting harder to lose it once I put it in. Oh man, but it's tough. It's, it's moderation. Yeah, yeah. It's moderation tough. I miss the Chinese food back on the East Coast too. Um, I found the spot out here that's decent. I think there's just something in the water that they put in the food over there. Like, I really believe that's the thing, you know, on the East Coast. And, uh, no, I, I understand that, man. It, I got up to 190 pounds at one point. I got, like, super thick. I was eating and, uh, you know, I was working a lot. So I was always, like, picking up fast food, just, like, quick fixes. And then I'm at a hotel out here, uh, Red Rock Casino. And they have a scale. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. This goes back about two, three years ago before I started working out and training again. And mm-hmm. I stepped on the scale. It was like 192. I'm like, and even Pedro, he broke my balls about it. He was like, he's like, you're look at it kind of thick. I'm like, I, yeah. He's like, you've been working out. I'm like, no. How, how, how tall are you now? How, how tall are you? I'm five. How yeah, okay. I'm I'm five eight, and uh, right now my weight is at uh, I, I weighed in about 165 pounds today. You know, I fluctuate though, and I eat a lot of hamburgers. I gotta stop. I gotta chill out with that. But 
Oh man, I'm getting hungry now. Okay, so I want to pick your brain about music. I know you're a big music fan. You know I am. Uh, what yeah. are you listening to these days? What do you like? Uh, I listen to anything. Um, I I think um, I don't, I'm very moody. I don't in terms of like I can go like a week of just listening to, to classic rock. You know, uh, the Stones. Uh, I grew up around Elvis. My father's a huge Elvis fan. Oh, my um, God, yes. You know, uh, I can listen to any. I really I have a very eclectic taste. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that meme with this black guy. He's got a do-rag. He's got the headphones on. He's got this real, you know, mean grill. Like, he looks like he could be, like, an extra in the Mob Deep video. And and it says, what, what, and it says, how I look, but then like what what I'm listening to, and the guy's got like an in sync, <laughs> like in sync playing, and it's like like that. Like I'm 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 I listen to everything, bro. I when I was, I you know I have to re up. I used to have XM radio, and XM radio is amazing. Yes. In, in terms of if you like music, um, but uh, actually I was disappointed. I went to catch Green Day. They were here at uh, City Field. But the tickets were crazy, and it was a work week, and I was like, I had to, I had to say I catch them later. Um, but I, I listen to everything: hip hop, Latin music. I, I went to Mark Anthony concert uh, about a year, you know, pre-pandemic, with my wife, which was amazing. Um, we were gonna go see Aventura, but they got canceled at uh, Radio City. Um, the Guns N' Roses, I went to catch at Fenway, but they just didn't kick. You know, it, it wasn't good with my schedule. And also a friend of mine told me that they're not that good anymore because Axel's not the same, you know, but I, I love every, I, I love every genre of music. Yeah. Same here, man. I listen to everything. The only thing I didn't listen to before I got with my wife about eight years ago was country, but then I come out here and she's got country on all the time. And the thing about mm. country is it's all about getting laid, paying bills, getting <laughs> drunk, <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, this ain't, this shit ain't bad, man. Like, I, I could get down with this shit, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and now yeah. I listen to it. But I, I love jazz. I love hip hop. Big fan of um, R&B, old school funk, you know, like me and Pedro used to always talk about Tower of Power, and he's a huge mm. fan, obviously. Uh, love that kind of stuff. And I, I love old school rock and roll, classic rock, uh, you got to, you know, it, the thing is to be open-minded to everything, you know, and uh, some things work for you, some things don't. And even as reporters, even with sports and boxing, like we, we're both very open-minded. You do a great job. Um, I listen to you guys every Saturday, you and Pedro. Uh, you've been with Ring Talk a long time now. And yeah, you guys yeah. have great That's chemistry together. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. I mean, it's funny. I've, after I got my start with boxingtalk.com as a just covering fights and doing interviews. And then I happened to come across Pedro's show as, as a regular listener. And then I saw that he was approaching his 25th anniversary. So then I reached out to him, did an interview, had me on and, you know, we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Uh, Pedro has really given me a great opportunity to be on the radio and I, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, you know. It really is, and um, it's I, I'm I'm lucky. Yeah, I really am. I'm I'm just a, a fan that has an opinion, and you know, I, sometimes when you think you know it all, something like Saturday happens and it humbles you. 
I thought, man, oh my god, I'm probably if I go through my phone when, we're, when this interview wraps up, I'm probably going to get so much more things thrown at me. But it's part of the fun. Uh, but I learned a lesson, a, a valuable lesson on Saturday because you know we're out there, we're in media, we're, we're going on shows, we're doing things, we're throwing our opinion out there. It's like maybe next time, just kind of like bite your tongue and be like, "Hey, it's boxing; anything could happen." But it, it's right. part of the, it's part of the yeah. fun. The ball breaking is fun, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I, I was gonna say. Um, Tell me if you come across this sometimes. Sometimes you get guys that are like, like this, like to borrow a term from wrestling, like the smart marks, and, and they they pick like these upsets just to try to be trendy. And they're like, shut up, like that's not you know what I mean. But they just want to sound, they want to be the smartest guy in the room. Like I don't, I don't want to be that guy either. You know, like <laughs> it, I don't know, if you know like, what I'm saying? Of course, but, it's like it's like yeah. Canelo said to you know Andre, you know, get get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's good. Yes, that, that's a classic. Yes. Yeah, yes. One of the greatest things ever. Like, and I, I love Demetrius, and I had him on the show, and he's he's a really cool guy. I like Canelo. I've yet to interview him yet. Um, never met him, but now that he's speaking English, I, I just love that his like it's all curse words. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like when people ask me, Do you speak other languages? I'm like, I speak Italian, and they're like what can you say? I'm like, mostly curses because my uh, grandmother, <laughs> like I grew up around, was always cursing. So I knew how to say, I'm bafangul, you know? It, people are like, what does that mean? I'm like, it means pretty much go fuck yourself. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny when you hear people, you know, learn a second language and they pick up the curses, you know? And I mean, how many times did Canelo tell him to go fuck himself? <laughs> yes, that was that was a classic. You know, yeah, it, that was uh, the way he and the what made it funny. There was a couple of times he didn't use it in the right context. Do you remember the movie um, uh, Johnny Dangerously with Joe Piscopo? Oh yeah, of course. And, and, and Michael Keaton. As a, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, that, and he, yeah, and uh, he's the guy uh, Joe Piscopo's character saying the curse words, uh, "You fucking bastages." You know, it, it was like that. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That that movie was so great. I was going to talk to you about films and movies before I let you go. But yeah, uh, yeah. here's what's up, man. Movies, television shows. Uh, what, what what are you watching? What, what are you, uh, any movies, any TV shows that you're into right now? Uh, wow. Um, well, the last show that I really, like, fell in love with, and, and I was so disappointed that, A, I didn't catch it earlier, and then, B, that, they never continued it again. It was Kingdom? Did you catch that? No, I didn't catch that one. Kingdom? You no. gotta watch it. MMA MMA show. Now the thing is, is where to catch it. You gotta try to find a, a stream. Kingdom was originally on uh, Directv, and then Netflix picked it up for a short while. And I like Frank Grillo. I, you know, he's a huge fight fan, and it's an MMA show with uh, one of the uh, Jonas Brothers is in it, um, and the girl from the uh the purge movies i forget her name okay i have heard of this yeah now it's ringing a bell for sure yeah you see some cameos from some fighters like gabe risotto comes out in one of the episodes um what was this guy's name the roast master from comedy central uh i know who you mean 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 he's a funny guy. Um, Jamie Kennedy comes out in it. Um, there's a few guys you're like, whoa, like you, that you haven't seen in forever. Really good show, Kingdom. Um, I love uh, Cobra Kai. Oh. Love, love Cobra Kai. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Who, who doesn't love Cobra Kai? I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about Cobra Kai. It's just um, so good. It's like the proper amount. It, it it brings you back to yesteryear, the movies we grew up on, like uh, obviously Karate Kid, um, you know, like old school martial arts films. It's got just the right amount of cheddar cheese, but also delivers like the drama. The actors are great. Um, I actually had Sean Cannon from Karate Kid uh, Part 3, who played Mike Barnes, the big bad that was whooping Daniel's ass. Um in Karate Kid Bar 3. Mm. Great guy. Wrote an awesome book. We were sp- speaking about books before. Way of the Cobra. I'm going to plug him. Uh, great guy. Great book. And I think that's one of the best shows that I've seen in a very long time. I, I agree. It's uh, The way it's done. Um, I was actually very happy to read that um, uh, that geez, I, I feel like, a, like an idiot calling them by their character names, but that they're actually friends. Uh, um, William Zapka and... Uh, Daniel, and, and I, I was, I was, I just called, called him Daniel Russo. But Ralph Macho, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I was happy to see that, um, that, that, that they're buddies and. Um, yeah, they're really uh, cool together. Yeah. You can tell the chemistry is, is, is legit. You know, it's a, it's a good show. It really is. And um, I hope they can keep it going, you know. Um, yeah, we got season four coming up. I believe the target date is December, from what I'm told. And, uh, the whole cast really gets along really well. And, and it's like when you work with with people and, and have such like nostalgic value, you know, like a franchise like that, like, of course, like you, you, you would think after all those years that they have to be like tight. Right. Like we did all this great stuff together. Like even when you see fighters like Barrera and Morales nowadays, like they yeah. went to war three times, but you see them, they're hugging they're loving each other. You know, and they they beat the shit out of each other numerous times. And um, they just did a wonderful job, like, uh, as far as maintaining composure. That's what I love. The thing I love about boxing the most is that you could get in the ring, you could slug it out. Mm-hmm. Not saying all the time, but the majority. What, what do mm-hmm. fighters do afterwards? They embrace, they hug. Arturo got him Mickey Ward when Arturo gave uh, Mickey Ward the water afterwards and bow to mm-hmm. him like that that's dope dude like that that's respect man and, and that's one of the reasons why i love boxing um it's a discipline it's a martial art for sure and it's a discipline and uh you know we we were lucky growing up when we did and uh get bitten by the bug and i hope that the new generation uh people that are listening that might be a little bit younger uh I hope we get good fights, man. Like, uh, is there any fight that you're looking forward to coming up? Uh, well, like everyone else, uh, hopefully Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, you know, happens. Yep. It's funny because when the when the rematch was kind of like forced onto us, I was like, ah, we don't need to see this again. We clearly know who the better guy is. You know, it was such a one-sided, you know, win by, by Tyson, you know. But now with the delay... Now I have, you know, and 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 the, it seems like it's bad blood. You know, it's like okay, now I want to see this. Um, we've had the worst summer 
I mean, when I, I remember back in like May, I think it was, and we saw this projected schedule of fights, you know, and they just all got derailed through either COVID or injuries. Uh, I was really looking forward to, I, I, I'm a huge Teofimo Lopez mark. I, that guy, I think he is, I, I, I don't think anyone touches him in, unless he goes up to welterweight, and he, you know, but from 35 to 40, I don't see anyone beating him, at least not now. Uh, so I was disappointed that his fight with Cambosis fell through. Um, then, of course, uh, the, like I said, Tyson Fury's fight getting canceled. And then, of course, Errol, uh, Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao, which could have been a blessing in disguise now looking at it because, you know, Manny got beat uh, by Ugas. Against Errol Spence, maybe he gets hurt, you know, and that's something you don't want to see. Um, but hopefully the fall picks it up. Um I think Usek and Joshua has has is, is yes. flying on the radar. No one's talking about it. And Usyk at, at Cruiserweight was a beast, and he's yes. a beautiful fighter. And, yep. and he didn't look great against against um, against this guy, um, the, the Brit, the the, the psycho. <laughs> that he he he, uh, he. Well, that, there you go. He, he, David Hay hit him with a bottle, and now they're best friends. Um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Help me out. I'm talking about the. Uh, um, war, war, uh, Chisora, Chisora, you know. Derek Chisora, Chisora yes, right. right. He didn't look good against Chisora, but, but who does? Chisora, you know, he's nasty. Chisora's nasty, tough as fuck, you know. Mm -hmm. He bull, bull rushes you against Joshua. Joshua's not that type of guy. Joshua's gonna, Joshua may try to outbox Usek, and that, that's when Usek may really look great, you know. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Jamal Herring and Shakur Stevenson is interesting. Yes, I, I think that's a really, really good fight. Um, I, I agree with you on that. And uh, the Usek Joshua was like a sleeper. You know, a lot yeah. of people are sleeping on that, man. Like that. That's a really great fight that you mentioned there. Um, you know, and it's coming up awfully quick. Uh, Fury Wilder three. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big Deontay Wilder fan. I always have been. The last fight. Um, really disappointed me uh the excuses like you know it, the thing is if you lose you know you got beat up fury beat you up man like you had, you didn't have the right game plan whatever it was that was bothering you 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 were not the better guy that night take it you know take it like a champ man like act mm -hmm. act the role because you were a champion i think that you write that that layoff could potentially play in favor of wilder um and I also, I see what he's doing with Malik Scott. And he just looks a little different. Something's up here. Like, he looks a little sharper, a little crisper now. Training camp and videos, that could be one thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. being in the ring is completely different. But right. I, I don't know. I, I just got, I, I think that Deontay, at the very least, is going to be way more competitive in this fight. And I think that he's going to have some, some great success um, and how much did layoff bother Fury and, um, Deontay's a very passionate man. Like we could say that at the, you know, at the end of the day, we cannot question his passion, you know, and I think he's going to go in with a lot of fire. What's your thoughts about that fight before I let you go, my man? Um, I think a healthy mentally Tyson Fury can retire as a champ. I mean, that's to me. I, I think he's no one is that gifted and that big. I mean, he yeah he he probably he's like the dusty roads of boxing. I mean, his physique is not what you would call you know that's what a pro athlete looks like. 
but the guy's got the fastest hands. He's big as fuck. That's what I mean. He and he and he's learning how to punch, and I think he makes great adjustments. Deontay Wilder does have that one intangible. That's that eraser. And if he hits Fury, he could put him out for good. And we saw that. He dropped him twice. Um, I just think Fury has a little bit more skill, and that's ultimately going to be the difference. Um, also, I'm not sure if Deontay Wilder is going to be able to um, uh, have the same punch resistance that he, that he had at one point. Because that was a real beating he took. And I see what you're talking about with Malik Scott, but, you know, they're buddies. Is he really pushing his friend? You know what I mean? Like, is he like, I, I always believe that a fighter needs to kind of be ornery and, and not be in so much of a comfort zone. And that worries me. You know, a, a fighter has to, it, it, you, you're at work. Like the training camp should be harder than the fight. That's how I was always told. And, and you know, I've, I, I used to work out, obviously not in a competitive fashion, but I've been around a lot of trainers and, 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 and a fight, a fighter needs to be uncomfortable. You know, I, that's how I feel. This is why, you know, you're the brains, bro. <laughs> the PhD in Pedro calls <laughs> you. Dude. No, I'm telling you, that's a great assessment. And that's a very logical way to look at it, bro. Like um, the punch resistance, you know, how much uh, th these are heavyweights and you're right. Tyson Fury definitely worked on that strength. Like you saw it, like the way he was moving in the first round of the second fight when he hit Deontay and Deontay like went back to the ropes. And I was like, damn, like Fury's coming out with the Fury. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. he just, he looks strong. He looks very confident. Um, you know, uh, I, I saw them going back and forth the other day. They started kicking off some press, and you know, uh, he's calling him a dosser, and it's there's they're right, starting right. all this It's amazing. I used to like when he used the word jacker. That was always my favorite. He's like You're a jacker, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, that that, that British slang. Oh, that. it's so great. And yeah. When you when you, he gets on a roll, no nobody tops him in that department, and um. He is a big boy. They're both big men. Um, it's going to be, I think, a very fun, interesting fight. I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to look anything like the first two. I think that uh, it's going to be like one of those that really tops it off in, in, a, in a strong fashion. Well, you know, because we had a draw, we had a winner, and then now we have, you know, the one that really walks away from it. Who wants it more? You know, like, uh, obviously... Like you said, Tyson Fury has more skill. You know, does Wilder have the will to beat the skill? That that's the question, and that's what makes it so intriguing. I was like you; I was fatigued. I was like after the second fight, I was like, ah, you know, because because Wilder got beat up so bad, my man. Like he got beat up so bad that it was like, what, what's the purpose of this? But now, with a little bit of time and healing, you know, I mean. Mm -hmm. A fight that I'm completely fatigued about. When people ask me about Canelo and Triple G, I'm like, no, I don't care about that the third time. Like, it's been forever. Where the hell is Triple G? What's going on with him? Right. You know? And Canelo's gotten so damn good at this point. I don't care if people want to talk about Clembuterol, whatever, fine, whatever. There's no denying that, you know, when he's sanctioned and he's clean, uh, on record at least, he looks mm -hmm. really great. 
and he's fighting multiple weight classes. Uh, he's got an assignment coming up, Caleb Plant. I think that's a very interesting fight. Uh, Cadello has trouble with, with pure boxers, and Plant's a pure boxer. So that should be, I think, did they have they announced that yet? I, I, I thought I saw something yesterday. Some reason, I don't know if it's uh, is it November. It's not going to. I think it's the, supposed to be for November. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they missed the window on the whole big Mexican Independence Day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which was originally the thirteenth, I believe, or on, around that weekend. Around that week, yeah. Yeah, um, it's going to be November, and and I'm. You know what? I think it's it is an interesting fight. Um, yes. I I mean I still you still got to make Canelo the heavy favorite. Because I think Canelo, the one thing he's got a tremendous chin, and and he's he's not going to respect Caleb Plant. He's gonna, you know, Caleb Plant. If he wants to win, he's gonna have to stand toe to toe for at least the first couple of rounds to to earn Canelo's respect, you know, or he's gonna walk him down and, and do like the way he did Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, pretty much. You're, you're uh, I'm interpreting it as this: get the get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> That's yeah, what exactly. try to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he fights really fight. hard nowadays, man. He fights really hard. Oh yeah, he does. And he's not huge. I mean, he's like five seven and a half, five eight maybe. But yeah. he's like a mass truck in there, you know. And and he's yes. got very fast hands. His he, his hand speed is very underrated. He's got good head movement now. Yeah, you know? he's the whole he did, package. I mean, he made Danny Jacobs look extremely ordinary, you know. And Danny. Yeah, you know, he's not great anymore, but at that time, I mean, Danny, a lot bigger and a really, really skillful fighter, and he couldn't touch him. And Danny Jacobs at that time, very capable, right? Yeah. Like, and he's strong. I, I've seen Danny yeah. Jacobs in attendance, and I've seen him, like, flatten people. He couldn't do anything. You know, uh, Canelo, like you said, perfect, again, Mack truck, like, he gets in there – he 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 do just about anything. He could be aggressive. He's got good defense, better defense than ever. Great footwork. Knows how to counter punch. He he's a dangerous fighter. Like I don't care anywhere between a hundred and sixty to one seventy five. Now there, there's guys out there like Benavidez that could probably give him complications because he's so damn strong. Uh, but you know, I give him. He's got a chance against anyone to succeed and. You know, I, I honestly think that loss against Mayweather was the best thing that ever happened to him. Obviously, we've seen him in some fights that were very close in the past, like Israel on their Lara. Uh, people could go either yeah. way with it. But I think that those were all great assignments for him and learning experiences. And uh, I just can't wait to see him in the ring again, man. And I can't wait to hear you on Ring Talk. Tell our listeners uh, how we could follow you on your uh, social media, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, um, thank you. Um, of course. I am, my social media, uh, it's pretty much uh, my name, Socrates Palmer Jr. At, on Instagram. Uh, my Twitter, I believe, you know, I, just Google me. I mean, I just, you know, uh, I think it's SPJR21 at Yahoo um, is my, or I think that's my Twitter. I actually, I actually have to rebrand the Twitter because I, I, I'm on there, but it's mostly just to see what other people are saying. Um, to keep up with guys like Rick Laser and, and who's who's a character on Twitter. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of them out there, right? A lot of yeah, a lot of funny yeah. things out there. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty easy to find, man. And same thing, Facebook. You know, I don't, you know, my full name Socrates Palmer Jr. Um, 
you know, I, I appreciate the time, brother, uh, being on Ring Talk uh, Saturdays uh, from 2.10 to about 2.40. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, we keep things going. You know, I, I love being a part of it. And, you know, when I first started covering boxing, I never thought it was going to be much more than just a hobby. And, and now it's, it's, a, it's a real passion. And, and uh, you know, let's see where it takes us. You do a great job, and, and uh, this was a great time, and I appreciate your time. And uh, I know you're a family man, so love to your family, you know. Thank you, John. And, and, and enjoy your day, and uh, I can't wait to hear you guys on Saturday. People listen to Socrates on Ring Talk every Saturday. Um, and then sometimes you do a Sunday show, too, like you'll jump on every once in a while, right? Yeah, you know, if – if after a fight, you know, Pedro will send me a text if I went to do a segment. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll jump on it. You know, who it, I have, I'm very lucky. You know, everyone Absolutely. has an opinion, and and I just happen to be lucky enough to be able to to reach out to a few people. <laughs> the longest running boxing combat sports radio show in the history, like Pedro Fernandez, Ring Talk Radio, is the pioneer of what I do, what you're doing, what everybody does with their boxing podcasts and combat sports podcasts. Pedro Fernandez started that. Now, what is it, 40 years? It's got to be close. It's got to be close to 40 years. And, and gotta, yeah. that, that that's my story, too. That's how I got in. I heard Pedro, and I, and I loved it, and you know, just became a, a frequent uh, caller, became a journalist and, you know, radio personality. And I love him to death. And, uh, you know, big shout out to Pete. I sound like a fanboy. I am. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of yours, Socrates. And I appreciate everything you did today for me, man. This has been a blast. I, I Believe me, I, I hope to do this again soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely, my man. You have a great day.